Good morning, Gateway Church. We are a growing family after God's heart. I want to express on behalf of my family, Deanna, and our children, my sisters, Glenda and Paula, and uh, their husbands, Ken and Roger, special thanks to all of you for your expressions of love, support, and prayers in this time of our grief with the passing of my mom, Riva Eva Salfrank, and that was her middle name. I think most of you know that, but mom, the word's out. Everyone knows now. She was a, a wonderful, wonderful mom, and uh, Dear friend to so many, if you allow me, I'd like to take the liberty today to tell a few stories about my mom that will serve as illustrations in my message from 1 John 2, 7 through 11 in our series through this book. To start with a story, I vividly remember when we packed up all of her belongings in a trailer Ten years ago, mom was around 81 at the time, and she had lived all of her life up to that point in Brown County, South Dakota, most of the time in the city of Aberdeen. The last stop out of town was the cemetery of my dad, Glenn Salfrank. They had bought this plot some 30 years prior, and they would be buried beside each other. And I said to mom as we walked back to the suburban, I said, mom, when you die, we will bring your body back to this spot. Engraved on the placard was her name, Reva Salfrank, born 1924, dash. I said, this is the place where you will receive your resurrected body at the second coming of Jesus to the earth. Now, mom's with the Lord, we know that. To be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. But her remains, her ashes will come. Will be transformed. They'll come this incredible miracle, right? When Jesus Christ comes again. You can read about that in 1 Corinthians 15. It's called the resurrection of the dead in Christ. So we paid our respects and headed to Elk River where she lived out the last chapter of her life, and Reva really loved Gateway Church. You were her spiritual family, and the fellowship that she shared with you was sweet. It, won't bo- it went both ways. She felt your love, and she loved you. I would from time to time joke around with my mom, and I'd say, Mom, said, I, I promise I'll take you back to, to Aberdeen. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you back in my suburban. And we're going to head back this way. And I didn't really, I kind of joked around with him, But I thought, you know, maybe that might be possibly what happens. And then when I found out, when we found out how much it was going to cost a transporter from here to there, it was like I looked at my 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 nephew, Joel, and I said, hey, Joel, you have a black Suburban 
I mean, his suburban is really shiny black with black rims. I mean, it could be one of the fleet of any funeral home. And he, I think he knew where I was going with this. I said, would you be willing to take Grandma back to her burial? And without even a hesitation, he said, absolutely. And he would count it as an honor. I know that's kind of wiggy for some here. You know, it's like, what? Are you kidding me? You actually did that? And... Before then, I would have thought the same thing. It's like, I don't know if I could do that. But it was really pretty special. So we got up early. The morning of my mom's funeral in Aberdeen, she had two funeral funerals. One was right here at Gateway. And she wanted her sons to officiate at her funeral. So I led the way here at Gateway in Elk River, and my brother, he led the service in Aberdeen, South Dakota. I deputized myself as the funeral director for the service in Aberdeen. There wasn't anybody on that side who was going to play the role, and I said, hey, I've seen this happen a few times. I think I can handle it. So I was the guy. My assistant was Ken, and together... I think we did a pretty good job, except, Ken, when we put the body back into the suburban, we forgot the flowers on top of the casket, and they got crunched as we slid her back in, but that's a minor technicality there. Other than that, we did great. On the way back to... Aberdeen, on, on the roads that my mom and I would share, I remember as a, as a young boy caught in a snowstorm on the way back from, from Big Lake to, to Aberdeen, we couldn't see hardly two feet ahead of us. And my role was to look for the white line on the right side, and mom's role was to keep keep it right in the middle when she saw the white lines on, the, on her left, and we made it. We got up the next morning, and we looked out, and the tire was flat. And we knew that the Lord had, had kept us on the road together. It was just Mom and I. So we laughed and shared a lot of memories. I was riding shotgun, and my brother, Lorne, was right in the, the back seat, less than 12 inches away from mom. I don't know if he put his hand on the casket or not, but it was our last ride together. I found myself thinking often about my mom's last spoken words. I shared this at her funeral. As a family, we were in her, her room, and Reva was never one who wanted to be left out of any conversation. It's not like she had to be in the middle of every single conversation. She said she wanted to be in the know. She wanted to be included. And so we were laughing and carrying on. 
And she struggled mightily to sit up, and she said these last words. I want to laugh too. I want to laugh with you. Those were her last words. She always had a knack for coming up with witty one-liners to the very end. She wanted to be included in the conversation and in the fellowship to her dying moment. Mom desired to belong. She longed to belong to the very end. I want to laugh too, not alone. After a while, laughing alone is lonesome. I want to laugh with you. You sound like you're having fun. And I know you're right around me here. I can hear you. But this one last time, I I want you to know again that I want to laugh with you. The ones that I love the most. Isn't that the longing of every human heart? We long to belong to a fellowship of people who will love and accept us unconditionally, forgive us, grace us, speak truth to us. And it's reciprocal. As a 26-year-old young mom with a couple of children, She just got radically saved with a hard-drinking, unbelieving husband. This mom was looking for a place to belong. And the place she discovered was the right place. It's the best place. It's the body of Jesus Christ, the church. Beloved, we need to hear this because we must continue to promote community and friendship and fellowship here at Gateway. The local church is the proving ground to the world to see if this whole Jesus thing is legit. Jesus told his disciples, the world will know you. How? If my disciples, if you love one another, John 13, 35, in other words, they are going to know that I love them by the way that you love each other. Incredible. And so began the journey of that young woman who cut ties with the world system. She was in the world. But my mom, when she got radically saved, she was different. She was saved to the uttermost. She was saved from the inside out. Everything in terms of what she valued changed radically. She didn't just get saved six months later and go, well, I guess I don't know if this is really working or was that just an emotional decision I made? When she walked that line, got on her knees, was prayed for by an alliance pastor, she got up off her feet and she was changed. The world system, 
Now, she was in the world. She wasn't of the world. What she gave herself to changed. Where she got her needs for friendship and fellowship changed. She found it in the best place. The perfect place? I didn't say the perfect place, did I? You didn't hear me say the perfect place, but it's the best place. The world tries to counterfeit. They do a pretty good job because we buy into the lie. Even as Christians, we kind of sometimes wonder, well, it kind of looks like it's better in the world. They look like they're having more fun. All the commercials that you see, it's like, wow. Man, maybe I'm really missing. You're not missing out. That's the lie of the enemy. You're not missing out. The best place to fulfill and meet the needs of fellowship is not the world system. It's the church. It's the local church. And that's where my mom went. My dad, he decided, Reva, what happened to you? I'm changed, Glenn. I'm done. I didn't say perfect. I said the best place. So she began this journey learning what it meant to walk in love. And it wasn't always easy to love people in the family of God. Have you run into that before? <laughs> Don't look around now. This is not the time to look around. <laughs> but you know what I mean. My dad continued to go to the world to try to meet his need for belonging. He spent most of his time in the local bar, but my mom went to the church, and it worked. The local church worked. She found her place to belong. There were all kinds of challenges and obstacles, but she and the church passed more tests than they failed. They worked through their stuff. They learned to love and forgive and speak the truth in love. And they took the high road because they valued each other and they went low to bow down and serve and wash each other's feet because they loved each other. Which brings us to our passage today. 1 John 2, 7 through 11. Listen to what John writes. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Verse 8, yet I am writing you a new command. Okay, we'll, we'll look at that later. Its truth is seen in Jesus and in you, the body. He's talking to the, the fellowship, the church. Because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. 
Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or a sister in the body. Why I know he's talking about the church is he says a brother or sister if he meant the world. He would have said the world. Still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness, they've deluded themselves. The darkness has blinded them. They actually think that they can be indifferent towards people in the body. That's what it means to hate. I mean, he uses a strong word. But when I'm indifferent towards you, what does that communicate? That communicates that you don't have much value in my eyes. And when I, when I live that way, I act as though I'm walking in the light because I know some of the verses in the Bible. And I got pretty good theology. But I'm stumbling around in the darkness because I don't love. The darkness has actually blinded them, people in the church. Remember what we said about 1 John? That was a few weeks ago. Some of you are going, I didn't even know we were in 1 John. Well, we are. <laughs> and I was even here those Sundays. John writes in a cyclical manner. He sounds like he's repeating himself. If you've read through the, 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 the letter, do it again. He does repeat himself, that on purpose. He repeats in five chapters three themes. And here's how the cycle works. The first letter of, of John can be divided into two major divisions, categories. Chapters one and two, real quick, review. Emphasize fellowship. Chapters three, four, and five emphasize sonship. And this is what John does. With those two categories, he begins to repeat himself over and over and over again. Three basic tests. You read about it in all five chapters. The test of obedience, walking in the light. The test of love, walking in love. Not just knowing about love, but actually loving. Walking in the truth. It's the test of truth. Today is the test of love, walking in love. We just read about it. This is a follow-up message to what Dr. Alexander preached last week. And the really cool thing is, is that Dr. Alexander and I didn't call each other up and say, hey, what are you preaching on on Sunday? And then it's like, oh, I think this would be a great idea to follow up on your Message. I just turned to the passage. I heard about his message. 
My son and daughter-in-law told me all about it. I went, wow, what? I love when the Holy Spirit does that. It means that the Holy Spirit's working on Dr. Alexander's heart because he's praying, Lord, what does Gateway Church need to hear? And hopefully I'm walking by the same Spirit saying, God, how can I follow up on his words? The command in verses 7 and 8, that is both old and new. Did you catch that in the reading? What is the command? The command is to love one another. To love your brother and sister in Christ. It's old. It's really old. It's old school. It's so old that it was from the very beginning, John says. And when we read about the beginning, my mind went to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created. My mind went to John 1. In the beginning, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And before Jesus became man, and instituted the new covenant. God was and is love. It's old. It's new in that it was perfected in who? Jesus. He didn't come preaching something different. He preached the message of God's love. And that sin separated you from him. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He didn't become love when Jesus came. It's not something new. Yet it's new in that we see the ultimate perfection of love in Christ. It's, quote, its truth is seen in him and how he lived his life on planet Earth. But I had to admit that I I wrestled with this text, verses 7 and 8. I was going back and forth all week long. Dear friends, I'm, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one. Verse 8, yet I'm writing you what? A new command. <laughs> it's like, wait a second, are you writing a new command or not? Because you, it almost sounds like doublespeak, doesn't it? Did anybody else see that? Which is it, John? If I talked like that to my wife, I'd be in big trouble. For example, honey, we're going out to dinner tonight, but really, we're not. (laughs) 
because I'm going to order pizza and have it delivered, but it will feel like we're out on a date and the pizza will taste fabulous. It's old but new. (laughs) There's no way that would work. So I started thinking, what is something that is both old and new that will help me understand these verses better? I thought of something. And it's not very spiritual, all right? So it's not, I'm just going to let you know it's not very spiritual at all. But it helped me understand this, these verses. And then more importantly, it helped me learn how I can apply it in my life. So this is kind of a riddle. I remembered something as a teenager I could see it. So I want to ask you a question. It's, it's kind of like a riddle. What is something that is both old and new at the same time? Think. Think about something. Like an object. In your mind, what, what would you say that is both old and new at the same time? Like an object. I bet you can't think of what I'm thinking of. I know you're not thinking of this object because you're way more spiritual than I am. This helped me. You're going to say, really? I don't know exactly how this is going to help me once I see it, but if it helped you, Pastor, okay. (laughs) If it helps you love me more, I'm going to roll with it. You know what it was? A 1957 Chevy. My best friend Kevin, his brother, loved cars. And he actually had a 1957 Chevy like this. It was forest green. And it was it was beautiful. I mean, he didn't have it long, but whenever he'd back it out of the garage, and it's like, you don't, need to, you don't need to wash it again. I don't think there's any dirt on it anywhere. You don't need to vacuum the, the carpet, but he would do that almost weekly. Something old. I mean, it was old back in the 80s, but 2015, it's really old today. But it's a classic. I don't care how mint condition your Ford Pinto is, it'll never be a classic. (laughs) That that won't work. But a 1957 Chevy in mint condition will always feel and look new. And just look at it. Didn't you like those big fins back in that day? Interior, spotless. Now, that's probably not the original motor. I, I, granted, I know that's not. <laughs> How does that work? 
if someone had it in their heart to gift me this really old car, it would be new to me, though it's old. It's an old car, but a new car at the same time. I wouldn't say to the person gifting it to me, why would I want an old junky car like that? That'd be crazy. I'd say, yeah, I'll take it. And then I would probably treat it better than if I had a new car, right? God is calling us to treat each other even with greater care. Don't let the familiar become stale. Because if we're not careful, familiarity does breed contempt. I think I get it, Lord. That's what I said. Lord, I think I get it. I don't always live like this, but I get it. Your love is from beginning. You've always been a God of love. Eternally, eternally, that's who you are. I see it perfectly lived out in Christ. And you're calling me to live like he lived and love like he loved. Therefore, love needs to remain fresh and not just familiar. Right? Because it's so easy to become stale and familiar. So I want you to do something. I want you to consider this as we kind of wrap things up. Here's something that my mom taught me. In her relationships, in the church, in the body of Christ, she took this, she lived this. She was far from perfect, but she tried to live this out because she valued her friendships in the church. It was her lifeline. She couldn't afford to sever, cut ties, build bridges, build walls because she wasn't going back to the world. If I'm not going back to the world, I got to make this work here. So how am I going to do that? And how are you going to do it? Take the high road. Your relationships, take the high road. She was authentic and truthful about what she thought and believed, but she really did treat people with value and considered them better than herself. When the gossip sessions began to kind of stir, she decided, hey, instead of go there, I'm going to think of one thing in that person's life that I really think is great. I'm going to focus on that. I want to talk about that in these conversations. That's where I'm going. And she was willing to go low. What does that mean? She was willing to serve 
those who couldn't repay her in return. One of the things that touched my heart was out in the, the foyer at mom's funeral before I came in here, I ran into this, this, this person. It was like I hadn't seen her for 20-some years. I couldn't believe that it was her. I said, Lori, another gal, Jana. But I saw Lori. Lori, you're here. She flew in all the way from Rapid City to come and honor my mom because 30 years prior, this lady would take her siblings out to Pizza Hut and serve them pizza and pop. That was their love language. That was in the day when you just didn't get pop. Remember? It was like... She never bought me pop, but she always bought them pop. I mean, well, we won't go there. <laughs> she, she did something to some young kid that couldn't repay it in return, and this person flies all the way in to honor Reva because she remembered. Folks, guess what? When you are willing to go low, and show value, people will not forget. They won't forget. You can preach them 15,000 sermons, and they'll forget every one. But if you serve them, they'll remember I'm going to ask the team to come. We're going to close with a, a song. As they wait, make their way to the, the platform, I, I want you, you can even bow your heads if you like. You don't have to, but sometimes it helps. I want you to close your eyes and just just ask the Holy Spirit right now just to just say, Holy Spirit, I need you to, to keep doing the work because if I leave right now, the work won't be complete. I want this work today to be complete. I want you to identify one person in the body that you need to take the high road with. Just ask the Lord right now. He'll, he'll bring that person, that name, that face, right now to your mind, to your heart. Holy Spirit, do this. So the world will know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. This week, I want, I want you to start by speaking well of them when their name may come up in any conversation, that's one way. Who do you need to go high with? Who do you need to take the high road? And identify one person you can go low with, meaning to serve them in some practical and tangible way, to call them, meet with them, talk to them, 
speak truth to them in love. Do something that would communicate, I value you. Because everyone longs to belong. We're all seen. I want to laugh too. I want to laugh with you. Go laugh with someone this week that needs to be blessed by you. So Lord, shine your light in us and through us for your glory.